Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at The Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the podcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And we have a awesome episode for you. In part one, we are talking about Pat Noonan's contract extension. Just the good news keeps rolling in for FC Cincinnati and particularly for FC Cincinnati fans. We also touch on a little bit of the international duty going on this week from FC Cincinnati's players. In part two, we are joined by a very special guest, Matt Doyle. You've seen his commentary on MLS, the armchair analyst. You've heard him on Extra Time. We got him on to talk a little FC Cincinnati and this season so far. And in part three, we are looking ahead to the season finale, the regular season finale for FC Cincinnati, the match at home against Atlanta. Folks, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who are also happy but surprised to learn that there's a game this Saturday. I'm joined by the Chief. I'm joined by Grayson. Grayson, happy to have you back. Um, I don't want you to say anything about where you were. Your secret is safe with us. I just want to know, should I be collecting water? Should I be hoarding water? She, always. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 a million reasons why you should be hoarding water, probably. Also, uh, um, what do you think about rabbits? Rabbits. Yeah, you like rabbits. The uh, animal Hair. or the sex toy? You take that however you want, man. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess generally supportive. Supportive. Either way. Hairs. You like hairs too? Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Hairs like H A R E. Yeah, yeah. Just you know how you how you feel about that. Fine, fine. I knew it. It's him. He's the shadow there. 
yeah, we did uh, find out. I'm going to say find out. Somebody sent to us. Allegedly, his name is Cleveland Cummings. That's not true. That's not true. It's that for one second. No, it's an, I don't it's, know what you're talking about, but I don't believe it. No, every no everybody knows that superheroes uh, in the Marvel universe have the alliterative names. There's you know Peter Parker. Like what's a Matt Miller is the the daredevil. Um, they all have the double consonants yeah, in there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, no, Matt that's Murdoch, a fake. Yeah. Matt Mur- Matt Murdock. That was the daredevil. Yeah, it's fake. It's Peter bullshit. Parker. Clark Kent is um was that consonant, Kinda. but he's DC, so he doesn't get to count. Wally Williams. Yeah, I like Wally it. West. Well, yeah. It's not clear we know our superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I just assumed there was a Wally Williams. Uh, Is it Wally Williams or Wally West? Now, Wally Wally West. Wally West is the Flash. Okay, that's Wally Wally West. Or a Flash. A version of the Flash. Um, Then, you know, there's Bruce Banner, of course. Nick Nolte. (laughs) Wait. Oh, Wade Wilson was Deadpool, also a quarterback back in the 1980s, I think, too. Nice. Okay, we're back in. <laughs> and then uh, 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 Deathstroke is what? Slade Wilson? I don't know. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Because Deadpool know. is like a parody of Deathstroke? This was like one back of- in the 90s when they were ripping each other off. Like, yeah, one of them well, is a parody Not just of the in other. the 90s, but... Always. Uh, Always, they would just rip each other off. Oh, Bucky <laughs> Barnes, that's the Winter Soldier. Nice. Yeah. Wonder Tony Woman? Star- oh, wait, no. <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> Grayson is over here just mixing and matching DC and Marvel, and it's very offensive. <laughs> um, so I'm just ahead of the times because we're headed, like, it's all going to be the same. Yes. It's all going to be one company. And it's going to be Disney. <laughs> no, it was like, it's going to be, the, the company is going to be like, uh, uh, I can't movie, think of a company. Movie Corp or like Omnicorp. Ne- ne- Nestle. <laughs> Nestle. <laughs> Halliburton. Raytheon, yeah. That's exactly where it's going. <laughs> I mean, it, it already is Raytheon. <laughs> We've seen these Marvel movies. It actually is more accurate. There, there's been like 20 years of Marvel movies trying to prime us up for the uh, war in Ukraine. <laughs> the uh yeah. the, my friend had this theory that eventually due to mergers and acquisitions which i think is good by the way of course thank you right. <laughs> so like, you know disney owns like marvel and disney and he was like just at this point buy everything else buy like the fast and the furious buy you know star trek buy all of it and then just make movie where it's an ultimate <laughs> crossover of everything where like captain kirk challenges vin diesel to a race to save the universe and then Luke Skywalker shows up and says no the true evil is in a galaxy far far away come with me. That is Have you seen have you seen the Patton Oswalt cut? Yes. yes. Filibuster? Yes. From, from Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec which yeah. I didn't I didn't watch Parks and Rec but I have seen this clip. You're it's really so missing good. out with Parks and Rec and by the way. The clip I don't care if like it was improvised or not. I'll take them on faith that he did just more or less improvise it on the spot. Right. It's very, very funny. Yes. yes. And not far off, not that no. far off from what Disney ended up doing with Star Wars. <laughs> Obviously, he starts bringing in other properties, but also I could absolutely see them doing that. They're playing fast and loose with multiverses right now. <laughs> um, 
It was the uh, the Space Jam 2, which I assume neither of you have seen. I have also not seen, but I have it on good authority that, Chief, it is very close to your concept of movie because <laughs> Warner Brothers just decided to, I guess, take all of their intellectual property in a bag and dump that out into this movie. And there is like... And then add LeBron James for good measure. Yeah. It's just like weird ass references to like obscure black and white movies and stuff from the Warner Brothers collection. Very good. So, the, um, God, this this was. I apologize. This is my opinion. I'm not denigrating anybody when I say this. Okay, if you if you disagree, don't take offense. Uh, that awful, terrible, shitty movie, Ready Player One. Uh. That did basically the same thing. References the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the blood <laughs> scene from The Shining with some stupid cartoon character just like slipping on it. And we're so, and it's like, it's like serious. Like, it's like, we're just, you can just, you can't, you can't do that. Somebody, somebody, Shelly Duvall that. died for that movie. Huh. I think somebody, I don't know. I don't know. What somebody she's gave doing. me that. Somebody gave me that book as a gift, and I just read it. I think during the pandemic, maybe hated that book. And the book is really problematic with how he stalks his love interest and like kind of doxes her low key to get more information about who she is outside of whatever the net reality thing that they're all plugged into is. Like not, like not a great hero, just a little <laughs> problematic. There's these Japanese characters in the book, and all they do is say the word honor. Wow. They're all just like, this is for honor. <laughs> for honor. Honor makes me do this. I do this for honor. And I'm like, come on, man. You didn't have to do this. <laughs> your, characters, your, your, your hero's in Middletown. <laughs> By the way, not the first also- book about Middletown. No, but it bothered me that the hero was from Middletown and somehow Columbus got to be like the big mecca of technology and utopia of civilization. Cincinnati is clearly more associated with Middletown than Columbus is. But also not the, not, also not the first person to confuse Middletown with Columbus. <laughs> uh, those of us who uh, are familiar with the uh, Hillbilly Elegy extended universe oh, yes. uh, may remember J.D. Vance's uh, column in the New York Times. About why he's moving back to the holler. Oh, yes. And the holler he was moving back to was Columbus, Ohio, to start a super PAC and like a hedge fund. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like this cinematic universe because it also brings in the UC Bearcats post Butch Jones. That's just not a great place to be. <laughs> that was a rough time. All right. <laughs> we, we don't talk about where anyone ended up as a result of that team. Oh, man. Well, I don't know where we Does go Bush from here. Jones ha- oh, oh. <laughs> Another alliterative name. <laughs> not Butch Jones. Not going to say not re- the name. Not, re- not really a superhero, though. So unless his yeah, power is like, you know, not doing his job. Yeah, but neither is Wonder Woman. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh gee the hot takes have already <laughs> disavowed no disavow. I, I i agree i thought i like to that wonder woman movie i'm really glad that she um killed the nazis thank you in world war one thank you it's very important that <laughs> you I mean, the, very, that. the very clear good guy and bad guy war 
It's like they became Nazis down the road. Yeah. She was just ahead of her time. Have you seen like the Kingsman? Oh, yeah. Not the, not the, not Kingsman. The King's Man. Oh, the prequel? No, I didn't see that one. There's a post credit scene. I'm going to spoil it for people. (laughs) Please. Uh, Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear a spoiler for The King's Man. Skip ahead now. Um, There's a post credit scene where they tease Hitler. Hitler and Lenin meet and start talking about like a team up. Oh, that is (laughs) the basis of a prequel sequel that they are doing i know they, they want to set a like world war ii universe of kingsmen with yeah stalin and hitler as like the baddies <laughs> that was like when i was working at the movie theater back in the day i had to watch a movie called the league of extraordinary gentlemen that was just like a it was a team up of famous literary characters from the victorian era and yes. <laughs> um yeah i could totally see them fighting hitler lenin the tag team to end all tag teams the super public domain friends is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of jarring in uh, Inglorious Bastards when Hitler is introduced and then, I mean, when they kill Hitler, it's like, oh, 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 okay, we're we're here with this universe, like, like the since, up to the since he, a point. The since he postcast here for all of your hit cinematic Hitler content. <laughs> I just say up to a certain point, you could like conceivably put this in our universe, and then and then you can't, and it's a very interesting switch. Yeah, I think Inglorious Bastards might be might be Tarantino's best movie. I think so. I think he um, thinks so too. The but. only so the only thing with Tarantino, and you have to just you have to just you're either gonna like this or not. The only thing he's interested in is movies. So like all of his stuff is just like about yeah. movies and like storytelling. Yeah. And that's all any of it is. And like the power to, you know, control the story and all that stuff. And Inglorious Bastards is really like the epitome of that. Yes. The movie within the movie, yes. A hundred percent. Although I, I like mo- I like all of his movies. So all Kill Bill. Them? I just like the, I like the fact that the premise of Kill Bill is just um, this summer Uma Thurman will kill Bill, and they made an entire movie out of just him repeating that over and over again on the set of Pulp Fiction. Just does does what it says on the tin, man. Yeah, <laughs> like tells, you exa- tells you exactly what you're getting. <laughs> Snakes on a plane. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a good transition to talk about. Pat then Noonan's don't. Contract. Let's talk about FC Cincinnati, baby. <laughs> Pat speaking, Noonan. Speaking of killing the Hitler, deal. Um, <laughs> FC Cincinnati's head coach is here uh, for what I will give Grayson an opportunity to uh, to complain about. For a long term, he is here. He has signed a new contract or a contract extension uh, with the team. This sort of caps off the trio of Lucho Albright right and noonan now uh this is in addition to i'll I'll throw in there a handful of other deals that go for i'll say long term uh roman celentano uh is signed for a good long while um allegedly vasquez is if you uh read tommy g's twitter feed uh hold on hold hold on a second yeah you're getting you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself i am okay so, 
It was really just bait to get you to interrupt me, and it worked. Yeah. So continue. Uh, so um, uh, there's like a new. So recently, four different deals, okay, mm-hmm. have been announced as long term. Long term. By the team as long term. Uh, we'll get to Tommy G in a second because <laughs> um, I'm staying woke on that. So um, Noonan today, Albright, uh, Luciano Acosta. And Roman Celentano yep. were all announced as, quote, long-term deals. Okay. okay? Good. Um, the, only, the only two we know from public, the only two we know publicly their length are Celentano and Lucho. Celentano is through 2027, and Lucho is uh, through 2026 with an option for 2027. Okay. Okay. So team control um, 2027 for both. Yes. Um, Alvis Powell also signed an extension this year. Okay. okay. Alvis Powell, his extension was through 2025 with an option for 2026. Okay. So what I would suggest, okay, is that that is evidence of like the def- the dividing line here. Okay. Okay. Now, what I would like to see to really know what the team considers long term is what they say about somebody who is signed to 2026 with no option. Ooh. Right. Now, did they but, describe But Brandon how... Vasquez Brandon Vasquez's deal was also not described as long term. Okay. And that is the same as Powell's through 2025 with an option for 2026. Did they describe Powell's as long term? I don't no, know if we okay. they did not so, describe Powell's okay. as long term. Um today. So so anyway, um, <laughs> my understanding, based on the public expressed meaning of how the team uses long term, is that it's some some it's at least it definitely includes being guaranteed through twenty twenty six. Okay. Okay. So being guaranteed through the following three seasons, and maybe team control through the fourth. Okay. Um, that would also be consistent with what we know about well. With what has been speculated about Albright's, the length of Albright's deal. Yeah. So I would say that that Noonan probably is also in that length of time, which I think is fair to describe as long term. Yeah. Now, the wrench thrown into this today was Tom Tom Gillerter, uh, our friend Tommy G, um, put out a tweet. Where he listed a group of players, a large that group. he's a large group that he said was long term, and I wish I had that in front of me. <laughs> so, but something a prepared podcast would have gotten ready. <laughs> um, but some of the players included, okay, are um, uh, Brandon Vasquez was included. And which is he, interesting. Which we know he, the team does not consider him a long-term deal. Uh, Alvis Powell and, was not included, but he has the same length deal as Brandon Vasquez. Um, hmm. But Celentano, fair. Miazga, fair. Miazga, I believe, is through 2026. Yeah. Um, with probably an option. I don't remember if he has an option or not, but I, I think it is through 2026. No, he does have an option for 2027. Okay. 
Uh, Acosta, Acosta, yes. Bupenza, yes. I think I think they said Bupenza signed like a five year deal. Okay. Uh, Noonan, Albright, fine. Yakubo because he has the unlimited rolling option as we've discussed before. Right. Well, he it's wasn't important. listed in Tommy G's tweet. He never uh, is, but he always comes back. Uh, but the one player who I think, based on public knowledge, is unambiguously not under a long term deal that Tommy G listed was Obina Wobodo. Ooh. Because Obina Wobodo signed through next season. Yeah. With an option for 25. I was. And I don't care how you slice it. Yeah. I'm going to put my foot down here. One more year plus one option. That's not a long term deal. That's a short term. So. Staying woke on this. Let's keep our eyes peeled for a Wobodo extension. One more deal. I like it. It'd be really funny if they they sign him to if they sign him to another deal. Can they spread out his money further or are they stuck on? I don't think so. Yeah, I I can't. I tried to figure this out the other day by looking at the CBA and then the published roster rules and regulations. And um, I did not find a clear answer, but I did find a uh, lawyer who blogs about MLS roster rules. Not the one you guys are thinking of. Nerd. Nerd. Not the one. Not the one you guys are all thinking of. Not the one that we're all familiar with. Who Grayson? A different one. Uh, Shut up. (laughs) Keep keep my name out your mouth. (laughs) Um, Mickey Turner. But but this guy said that um, that you you only amortize the transfer fee over the length of the original deal in order to avoid gamesmanship so there still would be advantages yeah to giving him to giving him a new a new deal but it wouldn't but you would still be on the same timeline of when if ever you can actually pull him off of that dp slot yeah assuming that that's assuming that's right but it's literally the only piece of information i've been able to find as to how that would actually be treated and yeah. it makes it makes sense to me about it makes sense to me that, that like that should be how you treat it because if you re, if you sign a new contract right and you've got one year left of your original guaranteed deal it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense to let teams like wipe off the transfer fee entirely right you know because then you could just that would be too easily gamed yeah and I think and, I, and so I think it's fair to avoid gamesmanship with the cap to just treat it like they're to just apply the transfer fee as it always going to be as it always was going to be applied um does the transfer fee get spread over option years no by- that's very clear in the rules it's it's over only get it's only the guaranteed term so i assume the league would absolutely not allow this but he said a one-year contract with a one appearance is a trigger for the three-year option for the player so, so that the transfer hit only ever hits one year. So I believe that those options would have to be treated as guaranteed. Gah. Because if there's <laughs> if it's because um under the CBA, it's like all guaranteed amounts and all like basically guaranteed amounts. Like there's some okay. language about how like like any types of like bonuses or incentives that a player is like likely, likely to, get, to yeah. hit. 
this is a have spoiler be, for this is a, spoiler, this is a spoiler for our segment too but i'm pretty confident if there was some way to fuck with how options work <laughs> to sign more players i think that chris albright would have found it by now it would be a guy <laughs> or maybe he's already found it and we're slowly seeing the fruits of that come true and then <laughs> i think i think probably the free the free market for talent acts as a um acts as a check against like signing players to a one-year deal with like true yeah three-year options right because if somebody's got like actual if somebody's an actual player that like teams around the world want to sign right like the odds of him accepting a one-year deal with absolutely no future guarantees beyond that are pretty slim when he could just probably get a much better deal you know elsewhere right or you end up with like a Middle East deal where they take a boatload of money for a one-year deal and then they're, you know, back to Italy or whatever it is for a three-year deal after that. That makes sense. No, I was just laughing about the idea that uh, there's a decent chance Wobodo gets announced by the time this episode is released, if that is in fact coming. Because I yeah. don't think they would do it during the playoffs. So it would probably be sometime this week. It always, it's always right after we record, too. So that, like we're like, uh, should we should we? Drop a special episode to talk about this. It's like, nah. Okay, this is 9.30 p.m. Tuesday. Yes. Okay? Just so people know, if this comes true by the time you listen to this, <laughs> uh, this was not this was not gamed in any way. This we is were just, reading. This is just reading Tommy G's tweets the way he intends them to. The, he, the, he, the way he intends them to be read. Like, I, I'm a Tommy G originalist. Yeah. Extremely closely with very strict literal interpretations of every word that he uses. He's, so, he would, there's no way he was just gassing up the team. No, no, not not the broadcaster who gets paid or is somehow his compensation is tied to the number of eyeballs attached to this team. No, not not that guy. Um but the thing you got to remember is in their time, the soccer ball emoji actually meant something different. So it's important to interpret the tweets differently in 2023. Mm. Anyway, um, so no, this is good for the team. Duh. Like, it's funny to like, let's talk about the Pat Noonan extension. It's just, I think I had it in my notes last time. What do you, what do you say? Yay. Yeah. This kicks ass. Right. right. <laughs> like, do you, did you really tune into the postcast expecting one of us to shit all over the fact that Pat Noonan is making a long-term commitment to FC Cincinnati? There's no, there's no other side of this take as an FCC fan. Well, here's, here's uh, a take. Yeah. Let's, let's think of um, counter takes, please. Grayson. Does, does the fact that Albright and Noonan have felt comfortable having their um, new deals announced indicate that they look at the season as job done? I was going to go this you way, know, too. We've already, we've already won the shield. <laughs> Let's start taking a victory lap. Whatever happens from here on out happens, but... Or, uh, but we got it. We got our trophy, and that's that's good enough. I was going to go a slightly different angle and say they're not betting on themselves to win MLS Cup and therefore get higher compensation. They're taking the deal now because they're not confident. In, uh, it, in would, MLS it would be Cup. really funny if, and this is another <laughs> obscure movie reference, but hey, it's the postcast. This is cool. We're in a safe space for this right now. The scene after um, Matt Parker and Trey Stone get paid in basketball. It's Trey Parker. Sudden, Trey and Parker Matt and Matt Stone. Did I say that backwards? I think so. 
Yeah, Fuck. I don't remember. You said it backwards. <laughs> I'm definitely not getting reservations at Casa Bonita when I'm in Denver next month. <laughs> they're going to know. Um, where they get paid in basketball, and all of a sudden they're walking around in flashy clothes and just throwing $100 bills out. It would be incredible if Noonan shows up to the next game in total designer swag. Like, he is just, <laughs> he has just gotten his bag, like a, an Italian suit that's very clearly been rush order custom made. He's so got one of those, he should get one of those diamond necklaces the NFL players have. And it, just, it says noons <laughs> or, or nooners. What did, what nooners. did Taylor Twelman call them? Nooners or noons? I think he called them noons. I think you're noons. right. Noons. Yeah, man. I do love the idea that he has worn like FCC team store merch the entire season and last season and like, you know, sweatpants or whatever. And then, yeah, to Atlanta and Balenciaga. (laughs) Yeah, it was like all of a sudden he looks like Jay Wright on the sidelines, just like impeccably dressed with a five hundred dollar haircut and a ten thousand dollar suit. Why is DJ Khaled on the bench? You can actually pay for a rapper now in Tam. That's actually the uh, the one change that came to this league. <laughs> like, I just have like a picture of him sitting on the bench, and he just motions a ball boy over and hands him a hundred dollars, and the ball boy walks two seats down to get him a water, and then walks. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even be bothered for this anymore. <laughs> so good, just total sellout. Just I cashed in and got mine. I don't need to win games anymore. <laughs> um, it's very possible. I just missed this, and I'm not very good at reading. Uh, was there anything said about the support staff, the uh, the rest of the backroom staff? Is it implied that they are also extended here? So I've never seen. I'm not sure I've ever seen like assistant contracts yeah. announced. Like also, but it's usually also, a term. It's usually a term that head coaches get in their contracts, right? That they, when he signs a contract, he gets a pool of money that yeah. he's allowed to use for staff. So That's what I, I'm assuming. I, yeah. I think when the head coach gets paid, I think everybody eats off the table. Is my understanding Although, with a lot of these deals? It w- remember it was like apparently a point of contention. In New England, that Bruce Arena got an extension and his assistants didn't. Mm-hmm. So if Noonan suddenly disappears <laughs> in the next couple of days, there was a mutiny. Uh, we'll have some information about what happened with the. No, but I assume, I, like, I assume, I, well, I assume the assistants have enough. So maybe not with every staff, but like, you know, you heard Kenny talk about. His relationship with Noonan and like why he came over. He seems and to like him. <laughs> there, I, I feel like there's probably at least with this staff, there's enough trust that like, you know, like McCarthy coming over with Albright from Philly, mm-hmm. that they they're confident enough that they're being that they're going to be taken care of while they're here. Um, but you also probably don't want as an assistant a super long term deal if you want to move up to be a yeah to be a head coach. I guess I don't know how they calculate it because it depends on like how much I guess how much trust you have the team is going to give you permission to interview while you're under contract. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big... but it's more complicated I think with assistants than with the head coach. It was definitely a point to your point, Chris, and it was definitely something that was brought up in a. 
horrendously titled article that dropped today on uh, <laughs> on X. Uh, the LA Times wrote an article, a real life Ted Lasso. Jesus. Pat Noonan has been a miracle worker for FC Cincinnati. And the article went into that, this idea about how he relies on his assistant coaches and the relationship that all the assistant coaches have with him. And some of it's the very similar to the stuff that if you listen to the Kenny Arena interview that we did or any other media that he and Dom Kinnear have done, it's a lot in one spot um, of the things that you've heard elsewhere, which is why Pat Noonan is able to run a ship where Dom Kinnear feels comfortable taking uh, being the second man to a person that's 15, 20 years younger than he is. And um, and yeah, that's tight. I think they said 13 years, which I was like. Tom Kinnear's only like in his mid fifties. Yeah, he looks a little older than. Like, yeah, but no also, offense. also like that's not like out to pasture. Like I, I feel like I'd hire him, to, you I'd hire him yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> he's still he's still like in his prime, right? Um, but that idea that he and his assistants do, they do sort of seem like a package deal. That like where I do anticipate that they probably got taken care of, even if they didn't have to sign longer term deals. Because I think there's got to be an understanding in the world of coaching that you would love to have them, but you also, I don't think anyone ever really gets blocked. I don't even think they're allowed to block people from interviewing for a higher position. I know in the NFL, you're not allowed to block a coordinator you, for interviewing for a head coaching job, no matter what their contract status is. It has, it has happened. I know, I know that it, I know that it has happened. They did the it with uh, Curtin to FCC. Well, that's a head coach. Oh, oh, oh. But like there the were assistant, like, sorry, there were some. Uh, there were some non GMs. Who were. Um, yeah, or Orlando blocked their Orlando blocked like, their director. assistant. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So D.C. had some issues with their GM job where they weren't able to hire or even interview some teams number twos. Um, so I think. I think you could block them. Um, I think that it would be I, such I, it a would shit be, look for your organization to it do it. It would be bad, I think. Yeah, to do that, like, um. Now I, I was ready to like soccer blog book club this article before I read it, because a real life Ted Lasso <laughs> is such a horrendously bad title. For this it's article. also so insulting to Pat Noonan. It's incredibly like, insulting. He, and by the, the way, man, if that's the only mention of Ted Lasso on yeah, the page is that, the stupid headline. The article itself is actually pretty good. No, that feels a, like an AI or an intern uh, was given the ability to, to write the headline here and just went for pure clicks and didn't even read the article. There's no parallels between Pat Noonan and Ted Lasso. Like, it fundamentally misses the point of the TV show. Like, the premise of the show is that he doesn't know the sport. Like, <laughs> hysterical. Um, no, I, uh, I have been wondering this for years and I still have yet to find a good answer. Does MLS have a salary cap for coaches? Is it somehow tied to the rest of the team spend? Does it have to be within some sort of league average? Because I guess like, presumably there isn't one, like it's just whatever 
management is comfortable spending. And I do wonder, like, what stops a team from just, like, dropping, I don't know how much these guys make, $30 million to bring in Pep Guardiola, just being like, I will make you an incredibly wealthy, comfortable man in the United States if you just come and, and manage our team here. I, I don't think, know. So I think this is where you, they would run into issues if they had a salary cap for coaches. Because as far as I know, there's no union mm. for coaches or assistant coaches in Major League Soccer. Yeah. And a salary cap is price fixing. Right. Right. These are ostensible competitors yeah. agreeing not to spend more than X on labor. <laughs> yeah. If you find a salary cap in the real world, it's always illegal. Yeah. Call the I'm NLRB assuming, or a good lawyer. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming, I don't have any reason to know this, but I'm assuming that it's not price fixing because... There's a labor agreement and there's That's, a labor law exception to anti-price fixing laws. Right. Um, I'm just assuming that. I don't have any reason to believe that's true, but I can't think of any other reason just commonsensically. Um, MLS might try to lean back on single entity and say, you know, these coaches are all employees of MLS. Uh, we're not mm. we're not price fixing with competitors because we're not competing competitors. We're just a single uh, entity. That, that's what um, they can do. You but, can Carl could but negotiate. There was a, yeah. But um, that if someone tested it, that would actually be an area where um, MLS may face some problems, and I'm not sure MLS wants an opinion out there that is because there's if you look in the history of MLS even back almost 20 years ago there's some stuff where courts looking at the league and saying yeah they're structured as a single entity but there are ways in which they compete and and where they're structured like competitors and that's only gotten more true over the last 20 years with the addition of you know designated players and and things and um uh the this is not speculation really on my part. Um, Olivia Moultrie was an NWSL player. I think it was Olivia Moultrie. She was underage. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. she wanted to play for, was it Portland Thorns? Yeah. Um, and they blocked her. They said, you know, you're too young to play in the league under league rules. At the time, NWSL was not unionized, there was no players' union. Right. So. The question was NWSL, like MLS, single entity. So Olivia Moultrie sued the league. The league said, this is not a group boycott or anything because we're not competitors. We're a single entity. And the court didn't buy it and yeah. issued an injunction and said, this is, this is an antitrust violation to keep, to have a, to have all the teams agree not to employ somebody under the age of 18. Um, hmm. So there's there and NWSL has a lot of the same mechanisms. MLS has, it's very analogous. I don't know the coaching, the coaching, having a coaching salary cap feels thorny to me. Yeah. 
I also don't I think just, that they. I also don't think that they ever would. I think that if Pep Guardiola was willing to manage at MLS, I think that they would. They it would be a lot like a similar friend of ours down in Argentina. I think they would find the money for a world class manager to come to MLS. I, I haven't that heard happen. of MLS. I haven't heard of MLS meddling in coach hires. Maybe it happens, but yeah, I haven't. I'm not aware of any reported stories about it. Yeah, I, I. Grayson, I assume how how it would work functionally is Albright, Carl, Jeff, whatever they they'll find identify a coach, and then like they ask the league to sign them because I'm guessing that the coaches are employed by the league, and I guess the league could just say no if they didn't want to pay some manager some absurd amount of money. It also really hasn't happened much either because I think that you know. Why would Pep Guardiola like it would take a lot of money for someone like him to come to the United States because his style does doesn't work if you can't go buy the best players like he's not going to do well in a league where occasionally, you know, in no shade, you got a Brett Halsey plays every now and then like Brett Halsey's a great young player, but Pep doesn't need great young players. He needs great players at every position. Yeah, I, I, I also don't know that there would be I, we've we've talked about like, you know, their coaches and, and, and GM being like your extra DPs. Right. Because they're not capped. And um, I think that's right. But MLS is still in a position where. The way you exploit that is hiring people that like know how to operate around the league or at mm-hmm. least hiring people who are able to learn how to operate around the league. And um, realistically, like, I don't know that any MLS teams are going to shell out $30 million for Pep Guardiola today. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe a few years from now, but. Now, the interesting thing would have been if, um, you know, it's a single entity. They're obviously not interested in competitively bidding against themselves. What do you do in a situation or how does the league respond in a situation where someone looks at a Chris Albright? You know, let's say that they don't get the deal done right now. And Chris is saying, OK, I'm going to see if this team wins MLS Cup. I'm going to go into the offseason. What happens if there gets into an open bidding war for someone who has a proven track record of being a turnaround artist and who has really done something that we just don't see happen in MLS that often? What would the league's response have been to five clubs all deciding we want Chris Albright on staff? It's obviously not in the club's best interest to have teams bidding against themselves within the single entity. That's interesting. Because, um, I mean, I there's know. always been this unofficial rule. And I mean, I don't know that it's ever we've talked about much, but if a player is trying to come to MLS from overseas, teams don't bid against one another for international players. These players sign a deal with MLS. So yeah. it wouldn't do to have L.A. and Seattle going back and forth, offering competing offers that are all coming out of the same pot of money. I do wonder what happens in this league the first time there is a big time coach or a GM that hits yeah. the open market. And it's like, OK, will there be a bidding war among all of these equals at the table? Yeah, I think, the I think teams have been pretty good at yeah. avoiding that. I mean, that's why you extend Noonan and Albright. Now, with a year left on their deal, yeah, it. I think there would have been a pretty aggressive bidding war for Jim Curtin, mm-hmm. um, had he not 
extended his deal this year. Because uh, he, I think, was going to be out of contract at the, end, at the end of this season. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, they got it down to the, the wire there. So, what was the situation? I, guess, I, guess I don't know the league. I guess I don't know, like, the history of the league coaching hires well enough. But, like, surely, surely a lot of teams must have kicked the tires on Bob Bradley. Right. Um, before, the, he, before he joined Toronto. The Vancouver manager as well uh, is in the last year of his deal and has. Oh, yeah, he should let it run. Yeah, he should Um, let it run. I think he'll have he'll have options. There's some pretty uh, good deals. Some pretty good jobs open. Yeah, I don't know what the situation was 100 percent with Garth Lagerway. Was he at the end of his deal and a free agent? Is that what I think Lagerway ran down his deal? Yeah, because he feels like the guy that would have been the the bidding war chicago should have been in on that atlanta obviously was and and won the sweepstakes but yeah i mean i assume i assume there was um like he was the probably is the most successful general manager club president in mls history he got i I don't know 100 percent the history i'm pretty sure he took rsl to the uh concacaf champions league final back in like 2007 he helped build them into a team and then took on the expansion team in seattle and turned them into perennial winners right up until they won the club world or went to the club world cup and yeah then made his way to atlanta so like that's a hell of a resume and there aren't too many guys in the league that can have anything close to that yeah and yeah his contract was up at the end of the year and Seattle did their annual did their uh supporter the vote. vote of confidence or whatever, and the supporters voted to retain him, but like obviously that's that doesn't Non-binding. mean he has to sign yeah. a new contract with them. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> the supporters it's kinda like in civilization where like you want to go to war and the Senate overrules you and you have to have peace with India, even though you know Gandhi's about to nuke you on the next turn. The supporters have overruled the GM and we are retaining the coach. Do you know why Gandhi is such a uh, warmonger and new cappy in that game? I do know this. I do know this. Um, This is one of my favorite pieces of video game and (laughs) uh, nerd trivia. It's that every uh, world leader in civilization had an aggression score that was on a scale of one to ten. And Gandhi being a known pacifist was set at one. But the game also had a mechanism where if your country's government turned into a democracy, it modified your aggression score down by two in order to reflect that you're naturally more peaceful when you live in a democracy. The game didn't code just to stop at zero. So Gandhi's <laughs> value went from one to zero to 255 back on the other side of the big set to where he was aggressive beyond the computer's capability of rendering it. And if he had a nuclear missile, he would just launch it immediately. <laughs> it's it is one of the so greatest good. unintentional programming gaffes of in the history of gaming. And it's my favorite fun fact. <laughs> oh, love that. Well, there you go. Leave extraordinary gentlemen, Gandhi nuking people. What more is there to say about Noonan's <laughs> extension? I don't know. <laughs> I, for one, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to be the brave Please. person that said it. I'm glad this distraction is behind Pat wow. and Chris and that, yep. you know, that they can now truly focus their attention on the regular season and then the postseason to come. 
you imagine if like they had been distracted this entire time and now we finally get to see what it looks like when they try <laughs> so we never i'm realizing that like i mean obviously you know over the over the moon for this yes but like you know we, we've already talked about it like my next thought is like well obi's contract is up next year what are we doing about obi that's exactly <laughs> where i was going right it's like he's the last piece you really have to worry about and after that it's just a matter of reloading what inevitably is going to be sold off if not this winter next summer right like yeah i think well i think you know there's obviously stuff coming in the off season that we can deal with and we're done yeah, in the off season. That's, this is all uh, future us problems right now. <laughs> like <laughs> mascara got to start for Columbia tonight. Just another sign that he's probably not going to uh, be a realistic option for us signing long-term. If he's what, 21, 22 getting yeah. starts in world cup qualifiers for the Colombian national team. But you know what? Good for him, right? Just got to be happy fucking that, awesome. he's, that he's, he's really He's played a great season for us, helped us win a trophy, and through his play with, we'll say it again, FC Cincinnati in Major League Soccer, he earned a start with the Columbia national team. That is, yeah. a, that is a hell of a thing to say. And uh, I think it was Laurel reported this. Uh, I, I could be misattributing this, uh, that the Argentine uh, Federation has been scouting Barial and that there is a, I want to say, expectation that he'll be called up in the November window, that they knew this window probably wasn't going to work out, but that the November window feels like a good probability for Barial to to be called up to the Argentine national team. So, um, without knowing anything about the Argentine national team. Yes. I am going to say that surely Barreal is like as good or better if it's an attacker of whoever they're lining up at left back. <laughs> uh, I know, I know nothing of them as well. Uh, but I will say on extra time this week, Matt Doyle, who we know, uh, <laughs> actually said that basically said uh that they do not have very good options at left wing back and that barrio would be very good for them so are you shitting me they start they're starting starting talia fico today yeah they can use back. barrio see if it makes sense if nothing else for depth right uh, <laughs> if barry if barrio gets a if barrio gets a even a call up for argentina before he is sold to europe mm. <laughs> oh man money 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 uh, here comes the money all right so next big piece of fc cincinnati news that's going to come i have an idea i know what i want it to be Ooh, okay what? i want to hear i want to hear that lucho got his citizenship mm. yes that'd be good i want to hear that he got his i want to hear that he got his citizenship and i want to hear that fifa is behind him having his one-time transfer to the United States national team. That would be uh, the ultimate cherry on top of player personnel news this year. He never made an appearance for the Argentine national team. And has he made any appearances at the youth level? I was going to say might have like two appearances at the youth level. I don't think he ever I did. Don't, I'm not seeing any. So I don't know if he needs to file any. any yeah. Uh, I don't think there needs to be a switch. I think that nationalize naturalize him whatever now we've talked about it on a past episode and i 
do want to say that that there is a question of interpretation as to like how long he needs to consecutively have right. lived in the U.S. to be eligible from a FIFA standpoint, not from a citizen standpoint. But you know, until until we hear otherwise, I'm going to assume that he's going to be eligible and called up. I'm telling you, because get that's the, the world I want to live in. Yes. Get the citizenship thing. And then have him swear, take the oath of allegiance or whatever it is that you have to do when you become a citizen. Have him do it on the field before the kickoff of a playoff game. Let him ride a bald eagle. He's a little guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Ferrer gets to hang out with the cheetah from the zoo. Surely they have a bald eagle for Lucho. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I Man, if Lucho ever wears... Uh, a U.S. men's national team jersey in a game. <sighs> yeah. I will be yeah, there no matter like what. Like a proud moment. <laughs> it's like, that's my boy right there. Man, a Miazga Lucho Vasquez U.S. men's national team. Hell, I'll throw Celentano in goal as well. Well, you want to throw something else out there? Please. Has, has Wobodo ever played for Nigeria? <laughs> I thought about this as well. <laughs> I think he could play into the Nigerian national team. I'm a little surprised he hasn't. Yeah. Like he, are they that good? I, mean, I don't probably, know. They're probably very good. But Obi is really good too. I just assume that he could start anywhere in the world. I'm guessing he has Premier League talent ahead of him. And that's why. Like there's probably a degree of like, if there's three Premier League players ahead of you, do you really want to be called in or do they just like bring in a, a young domestic player for the fourth spot? I don't know. Different federations run their things differently. It's so much fun being an FCC fan right now. This is like this the most is... famous last words of all time, but it is so fun right now. Oh, yeah. You know what? Honestly, like. Yeah, this is great. This, I ru- was... this rules. <laughs> I um. I was just looking at this because I don't know if anybody else has these still, but I have my uh, 2019 season ticket holder uh, coasters. I think it was Mm -hmm. 2020 coasters. I was looking at this 2018 regular season, 23 wins, eight draws, three losses. That is a damn good season we got to experience in 2018. I just compared to what we've done now. That is a 77 point season that we got to watch in USL. And I'm not taking anything away from this team, but there is a part of me that is like, whenever I hear a national outlet talking about how all oh, these fans are so starved for, for victories, they never got to see a good team. It's like, uh, it's all one <laughs> really good. You know, who's, you know who's starved for success? Nashville. Yeah. Nashville couldn't win a trophy in USL or MLS. No. Even the made up. You could talk tournament. you could talk about spoons all day. You guys played in USL. Yeah. Where's your title? Where's your running away with it? Come hey, on now. At least where you've been memorable. We have yes. won some sort of a trophy in all but one season that we've played in MLS. <laughs> Look, there is nothing more, I don't know, apt for those first three seasons in MLS than the Jack Sparrow, ah, but you have heard of me uh, <laughs> clip. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I'm, I've been on record that, you know, now that we're good, <laughs> we can just take the position that a wooden spoon year 
No different from any other team, any other team that misses the playoffs. Yes. Absolute, absolute failed season. Um, since we've joined the league, there have been five seasons. We've now made the playoffs in two of them and won one trophy. Boom. In those five years that FC Cincinnati has been in existence in Major League Soccer, the Columbus crew have made the playoffs two times and won one trophy. They can talk shit about us all day. They've had no more success since we've been an MLS team than we've had. And they will never, ever be able to unknow that the first match they played against us, they lost on a guy from a, we got on a free from the Kazakhstan Premier League scoring a headed goal to beat them one nil. So good. I can't so I can't say it yet, but I have further thoughts on Columbus that I will say at the very end of this episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> shall we go to part two? I think we shall. Yeah, this was awesome. Uh, we got to talk to Matt Doyle. Look, if you listen to this episode, this episode, the show, you you're aware of Matt Doyle. He is probably the number one pundit in MLS circles. He is a uh, co-host of the Extra Time Radio Show. He does the Armchair Analyst column uh, for MLSsoccer.com. He's been around the league from the beginning, as we actually touch on in this episode. Uh, in this episode interview and uh he's incredibly knowledgeable of the league this was a really fun conversation uh just talking about fcc this season um we we made him uh atone for past takes and i think we came out of this uh pretty good i think i think hopefully fcc fans that some hold a grudge i think i think you'll enjoy this conversation with matt doyle uh afterwards on the other side we are going to talk the Atlanta United match this weekend, the season finale of the regular season, and that'll be a postcast. So enjoy this interview. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning, and we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. And joining us on the postcast on a lovely evening, we are joined by the armchair analyst, extra time co-host, one and only Matt Doyle. Doyle, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing okay. I, I have you guys on the screen in front of me and then the U.S. national team on the, 
the screen behind that. They're just doing the walkout now. We'll see how, how good I can be at multitasking. We were actually just joking before you came on because none of us, if Matt Miazga and Brandon Vasquez aren't involved, friendlies just don't appear on our radar. <laughs> and we were debating internally whether or not you agreed to do the interview because eh, when the U.S. team says they're going to kick off at 830, that really means like 850, 855. <laughs> so we got some time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually 838 tonight, but... But Ooh. either way, I'm I am willing to to you know hit pause on the old TiVo and then uh, start it up once we're done with this interview here. So. <laughs> well, now I feel particularly honored that the U.S. men's national team ends up paused on this. So, uh, no, very very much appreciate that and your time here. Um, yeah, I, my first question. I think it's a. I think it's a simple one. I think it's the one on uh, everybody's mind. Um, I just wanted to maybe offer you some space here, if you'd like to apologize to both uh, Alan Koch and Jeff Birding <laughs> for saying they overpaid for Nick Hagland. Oh my God, right? <laughs> That's like I actually made this point on Twitter like a, a few weeks ago. That ended up being. A really good move. Like this was it four hundred thousand of GAM? Yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. hundred thousand TAM and three hundred thousand GAM. Okay, so. is, is that, yeah, yeah. four hundred thousand of assorted allocation money <laughs> yes. for a guy who has been pretty clearly a starting caliber center back, uh, a local guy, domestic, does not hit the cap too hard, monster on set pieces. They got <laughs> one move right, and this was the one. <laughs> this was the one. <laughs> also, can't overstate the fact that he was willing just to tough it out through three of the worst years of professional sports. Uh, for sure. Smile. It, it's actually it's actually a super nice story, right? Because he did go home. You know, like he is a Cincinnati guy, as you guys well know, and I'm sure everybody listening knows he's a Cincinnati guy. And he, you know, it's it's the uh, Shawshank Redemption thing where he cl- uh, crawled through uh, a sewer's worth of, of filth and came out on the other side and uh, uh, got to hoist that shield in front of the crowd. Uh, it's a really it's a really great moment. It really is. I think yeah. that video of him running off the running off the bus uh, when they came home from Toronto and into the waiting waiting fans was worth. Four hundred thousand dollars in allocation money. <laughs> maybe not the maybe not the allocation the top uh, allocation spot, but <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, when you guys had the top allocation spot last year, you were able to squeeze so much juice out of that one that I, it's <laughs> it's more than honors even here. It's like you you guys ended up coming out ahead uh, on, on basically every conceivable measure. Yeah, we had a theory about that, that they that that Chris Albright so thoroughly broke the allocation spot that in the offseason, they were like, we just need to do away with this. We can't ever let this happen again. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't rule that out a little bit, but I, I think for the good of the league, seeing stuff like allocation order, uh, discovery claims, hopefully you know, most of that stuff goes away sometime in the next couple of years. It feels it feels like we've outgrown it. And yeah. I think that the way Albright was able to, you know, mani- the word manipulate has negative con- uh, connotations. And I don't mean this negatively, but the way he was able to manipulate that allocation spot um, kind of showed how, how ridiculous it is. And I don't blame him at all for taking advantage of it. It's just like, it's got to go away. 
Yeah, that's that's why you bring in a guy like Chris Albright after so long of not having an MLS veteran is somebody who is very aware of where the levers are to build a team and to know which ones to pull. And it was sort of the first time we really saw like FC Cincinnati do something clever in MLS. <laughs> We've seen them do a lot of things in MLS, but like... I guess outside of Jeff Birding buying all of Philadelphia's draft picks uh, in that first draft, it was like the first time it really felt like we did something like neat. <laughs> yeah, I like I didn't hate the buy all the draft picks thing, but obviously it didn't work out for uh, various reasons. But no, the the way Albright was able to to do that last year, yeah, that was a that was a masterclass, and um, maybe it did contribute to the allocation order uh, likely disappearing. <laughs> So on the subject of Chris Albright, I kind of want to take a different tack to the usual questions you probably get about, you know, hey, how great is our team? Um, Chris Albright signs a contract extension for FC Cincinnati this week. We find out Pat Noonan signs a contract extension uh, today with FC Cincinnati. What lessons should the rest of the league be learning from how Chris Albright and Pat Noonan were able to turn this ship around so quickly? It's it's a really good question and i'm not sure there's one particular answer other than maybe poach uh philadelphia's front office staff <laughs> to do that i i think the, the big thing that stood out to me is that you know nick Haglund's still there brandon vasquez is still there they didn't tear down the entire roster just to tear down the entire roster and create their you know, brand new project. They they recognized the guys who had talent, the guys who were distressed assets, so to speak. And that's what a good coach and a good GM does. You don't just make changes for the sake of making changes. You have to have a rational view of what you have on hand. And then a, a, I think a pragmatic, but a ultimately optimistic view of what you can turn those players into. And I, I like that. I, I, I thought Brandon Vasquez doing what he did last year is one of the stories of the season, you know, cause this was a kid who had the talent and had the pedigree, but never had the chance and, and what they were able to squeeze out of him. Um, I mean, you know, he'll be sold <laughs> for seven, $8 million this off season. And he's a full national team striker and, Boy, did Mexico screw up by not trying to get him <laughs> before the U.S. were able to, to cap him. So I, I think that's probably the big one is to like not toss the baby out with the bathwater. Like be mindful of, of what you're walking into for the good as well as for the bad. Because they're, they're you know, even with everything I just said, obviously there was some surgery that needed to be done on on the the roster and they did that really well as as well and that does bring me to the other mia culpa like i crushed them for the junior moreno signing <laughs> I, I, I wasn't gonna bring it up <laughs> no, and it was because like he was not very good at, with dc um but he had such a great locker room rep mm-hmm. um and they prioritized that. They wanted guys, who, you know, Don Baji bringing him in. They wanted guys who knew the league and knew what it meant to be a veteran and could bridge any divides in a fractured locker room. And they were able to do that, in retrospect, on the relative cheap. 
um, yeah. and valuing that from within the league and not just doing the, the Jared and I camp thing where you're just trying to import, you know, mediocre players from another league and assuming that's going to work. Like uh, one, one of those approaches worked a lot better than the other. Right. And specifically to the Junior Moreno point, we've made it on this show a lot. And I just wonder what your feelings are on this, that one of the geniuses or one of the things that we've seen that Chris Albright has done and the aforementioned Gerard Nijkamp didn't do is this idea in MLS that you need guys that are floor raisers where they might not be the flashiest player in the world but you know that you're going to get a certain baseline level of performance out of them such that you don't end up with a guy like a Kamahilo Makocho where you're spending a million (laughs) dollars to get a guy who just can't play. You might not think Junior Moreno has the biggest upside in the world, but you kind of know where his basement is and you can live at that level of performance because you know at the very least there's a competent MLS player there that you're buying and getting that competent level of base sorted with guys like Junior Moreno and Dom Baji and Nick Hagland, where they're not going to murder you on the field ever, like some of the players we've signed in the past. Yeah, I, I think you just did a much better job of explaining my thought process than I did of explaining my thought process. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, like, no it, I appreciate it. Like, that is exactly it. That is exactly it. They did that so well in, in rebuilding this team on the fly. Um, and they're not the only ones who did it. You know who did it last year? LAFC. Everybody went crazy about LAFC's summer window, and it's not like Gareth Bale ended up being a bad signing for them. But the the genesis of that LAFC juggernaut in 2022 was the winter transfer window when they went out and they got Kellen Acosta and Ilya and Ryan Hollingshead and Maxime Cripo. They got a ton of MLS experience, guys who were floor raisers and, you know, in, in Ilya's and really Hollings had too, and they're, they're ceiling raisers as well. But like bringing that floor up after what they had done in, in 2021, the way they had fallen off. So yeah, smart teams around the league understand that this is an approach you kind of have to take if you want to compete for multiple trophies. Yeah. Yeah, and I to that point about like yes, you you need to change the roster, but they also worked with what's here. Uh, this kind of blew my mind a couple of weeks ago. I uh, just sort of had this realization. Uh, Kenneth Vermeer was on this 2023 roster to start the year, so just like <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Um, but looking at like who brought in some of the players here: uh, Brandon Vasquez, Barrial, Kubo, uh, Lucho Acosta. Like these guys were brought. in in by Nijkamp, and yet it is Noonan and Albright who turn the core of that team into a Supporter Shield winning team in two years. I guess my question is, what else does Pat Noonan need to do to win a Coach of the Year award? Is there <laughs> is there a, a particular trophy he should try to win next year? Or <laughs> I mean, I think if if you guys had, if Cincinnati had, had set a single season points record, I think then he would have a stronger mm. argument this year. So just be the best ever would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Um, but I, what, what Bradley Carnell has done, like, I think if you went back over the past 15 years and you did coach of the year every single year, I think what Bradley Carnell did this year would be number one on that list. Hmm. Just, you know, they're at 57 points, I think, uh, which is, you know, the top, they're the first 
expansion team to top the Western Conference. They didn't have particularly good injury luck uh, when they did have bad injury luck, particularly with with Klaus. Um, he got 10 goals out of Nico Joachini, who was a throwaway, um, realizing that Indy Vasilev is a box-to-box midfielder and not a winger, which is what he had been miscast as. Uh, lost his Bundesliga veteran center back for the year. Didn't miss a beat with that. Just every box there's available to check, Bradley Carnell checked it in a really kind of profound sort of way, which is not to take away from Pat Noonan. Pat Noonan, I think most years would be the, you know, the favorite to win coach of the year. Um, I think if you compare what Noonan did this year to uh, Jim Curtin and, you know, Wilfred Nance last year and Curtin is a guy who won it, but then he said, I would have voted for Nance. I think, I think Noonan is this year is right there with him. But Bradley Carnell blew away every conceivable expectation. And there's like, there's nothing that's going to happen on decision day. That's going to change my vote. Like it's going to Bradley Carnell. If we're magnanimous and we support that rationale, can you at least, can we at least get you to condemn the insanity of advocating for Berkey as MVP? Yeah. So uh, this is a really good point that a, a friend of mine made John Muller writes for the athletic. Um, Berkey's been fantastic and he has added value, but goalkeepers in terms of um, goal, the goals added metric or uh, goals minus expected goals differential, they don't create the value themselves. They're just at the locus of where the value is created because it is, you know, the most crucial spot on the field. Berkey deserves to be in the conversation. Absolutely, because he has had a spectacular, a spectacular year, um, you know, on par with what Matt Turner did for three, four straight years and what Georgie Petrovic did for two years. He has been fantastic. But to me, the MVP is the guy who's leading the league in gold contributions and uh, doing it for a team that has won, I think, a record amount of one goal games uh, and done like Lucho's checked every box in the same way. I just said that Bradley Carnell checked every box for coach of the year. And there's nothing that's going to happen on decision day. That's going to change my vote for MVP. With Lucho specifically, I'm kind of curious about your take on this is that Lucho had a reputation when he was with DC as an incredibly talented player who was missing something, whatever it was that you think it was missing. Some people would say it was maturity. Some people would say it was consistency. What is it that you see that is the difference in Lucho Acosta that has uh, enabled him to have this kind of season where you're saying, and I agree with you, frankly, that he is the MVP candidate, regardless of what happens in this last match week? I'm on a FC Cincinnati podcast, and you agree with me when I say yeah. that Lucho's the MVP. You're I know, so it's shocking. It's, sho- it's You're shocking. So I, I also want to point out, too, I was the one that was magnanimously agreeing with you when hated rival St. Louis is having your coach coronated right now, too. No, we're just going to change the narrative to Noonan should have won it last year. Yeah. The, oh, okay. All right. The top three last year, I think, is fair. Well, maybe top four. Um, he did fantastic last year. Lucho, it, it, it is consistency, but it, I. You know, I've never been a professional athlete, so I can't speak at this from a a place of experience or or deeper knowledge. But um, there comes a point for a lot of these guys where they accept the responsibility of 
being the best player on the field every time out. And when they know they don't have it, when they're having a bad night, they still find a way to impact the game in a positive way for their teammates. And that was probably something that was missing from Lucho. And I think that's probably mentality. Um, but he, he's got it now, man. And, you know, you guys got a front row seat to it all season long. And even, you know, those couple of times when he came off the bench for 20 minutes, he, he was still the best player, the most impactful player on the field. And uh, you, you love to see it because he always had that, you know, that talent. We saw it down the stretch in 2016. And then when Rooney came in 2018, he was unbelievable. Um, but it was always just slices of that. And over the past two years now, it's been basically two whole seasons worth of that. Yeah. It, and as a follow-up question to that too, I'll keep cutting Kevin off, but the, I'm fascinated Please. by this last point, and this is sort of on Lucho as well. So we spent all summer hearing about a number 10 from Argentina that wasn't Lucho Acosta. Lucho Acosta has now signed a contract extension that in all likelihood is probably going to see him play the rest of his career in MLS. What does MLS have to do to make Lucho Acosta a star? Because ostensibly, an MVP candidate on a team that has had the most points um, in the league, in any league, that player in any other sport, the NFL, MLB, um, NBA, the best player on the best team would be a star, a household name, someone the league was pushing forward. Where is the disconnect with MLS? What does MLS need to do in order to, say, not only award Lucho the MVP, but also make it so that casual fans want to tune in to see the MVP play soccer? Oh, man, if I had the answers to that, I'd be in the C-suite. I wouldn't be talking <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> well, what would you do? Tell me, tell me what Matt Doyle would do in this situation. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a good answer for it. I wish that... Um, you know, more soccer fans in America cared more deeply about MLS. I wish FC Cincinnati fans um, would tune in for Sounders versus Rapids at 10.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. But, like, historically speaking, that hasn't been the case. Guys are just, you know, people are just fans of their team. They're not fans of the league as a whole, and you don't get a lot of crossover. Now, I think that's starting to change. I think that... It really started to change in 2018 with, um, you know, Atlanta uh, because Joseph was the first guy who became a star in MLS. Like he owned that town in a way that even Echeverry didn't own DC 25 years ago. Um, and I think that Lucho probably owns a big chunk of Cincinnati in, in a way that few stars have ever owned uh, their team or their, their town, excuse me. I'm watching Gio Reyna score for the U.S. national team as I'm trying to work hey. my way through this. <laughs> oh, it'll be great. I can't wait to watch Gio back up Lucho for the U.S. at the... Uh, yeah, there, there, there we go. There we go. Did I save myself right there? Yeah. 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 Oh, brilliant. I mean, that would help if, if Lucho's were the number 10 and leading the U.S. to a Copa America final against Messi. I think that would help. But it, it, is, a, it is a bigger picture thing that MLS has to solve. And I think, uh, you know, there's but a lot of time put into it, a lot of money put into it, but um, we haven't quite cracked that nut just yet. Yeah. I think on a similar note, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. This is something that we've whined about. I'll say on this podcast is 
it feels FC Cincinnati like fans whine. No, no, we don't do, no, we don't do that. No, 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 no. We're incredibly well behaved. <laughs> there does appear to be some element of national pundits, of which I don't think you are a part of this. You're, you're one of the very few, I would say, that don't really contribute to this. But there's a there's a certain I don't know. I, I it's like a tongue in cheekness that MLS is covered by national writers. That it's almost sarcastic that they are following MLS or OMG this league, LOL. Like I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I is this something that you notice and you like because it's wacky in America and it's our thing? Or is there an amount of discrediting going on with the way that this league is sometimes covered? Or maybe you disagree with how I'm categorizing this completely. I'm a little uncomfortable answering this question. I will just Fair. say that MLS's um, intricacies and uh, <laughs> some of the some of the things that make it stand out often delight me, and some of the <laughs> things that make it stand out in comparison to other sports leagues and other soccer leagues um, often don't delight me much at all. And I understand why people who cover it for a living um, sometimes have to roll their eyes. Yeah. I'll just, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about, that's about as far as I'm willing to go on that one. But you're, saying that there, you're, you're saying there needs to be a certain amount of self-awareness when you're writing straight with a straight face about different types of allocation money being added together <laughs> to buy a player down off a made up salary slot structure. Surely We're back you to just... Nick Haglin talk again. <laughs> it always you, comes you, back to Nick Haglin on NFC you, Cincinnati you podcast. That, you guess that Lucha owns the town. I would say probably Nick Haglin owns the town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 the poster child. And I would say Brandon Vasquez has quickly rocketed up the uh, the the stardom in Cincinnati. I'd say even cross sports. Right. The the Reds have been what they have been. And obviously the Bengals are, are on the upswing. But FCC, I will I will give Cincinnati full credit. Unlike a lot of MLS towns does treat generally its soccer team about on the same level as its Major League Baseball team and its and its NFL franchise. I'm curious for you, if you had to pick one of these two guys, Brandon Vasquez or Brenner, who scores more goals in Europe by the end of their career? Brenner Vasquez. I, I just think he's, um, you know, he, he's never going to be the flashiest guy, but he he does all the basic stuff that you, you know, you need to do to get out there and he doesn't take a lot off the table. Um, and he knows what his job is and Brenner sometimes doesn't. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think Brenner Vasquez would be the guy. Yeah. I do. I do have a question that I've been ruminating on that we've been ruminating on. And it's another one of those questions where you can either endear yourself to the audience listening to oh you boy. or you can <laughs> choose violence. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll just say that I'm, I've, become a Bengals fan because I, I like what Joe Burrow has to say. There How we go. That? <laughs> <laughs> I need you to power rank the following items for me. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> MLS Cup, Supporters Shield, U.S. Open Cup, Leagues Cup. So it, I, I don't know if you guys know this or the listeners know this. I used to be a Metro Stars fan back in the day. I was an OG, you know, 1996 fan. I was a fan of MLS before MLS even played a game. And, uh, I lived in Connecticut. I was two hours from Boston, two hours from New York. 
And I basically did a coin flip to see who my team was going to be, the Revs <laughs> or the Metro Stars. And either way, I was boned. Um, because <laughs> Turns out there was no right answer. That coin should just landed yeah. right on its side. Absolutely. And, and uh, I went to games. My wife and I went to games. Um, we were season ticket holders and we suffered and we suffered and we suffered month after month after month and, and year after year after year. And because of that, um, I've always felt like the supporter shield is the one I've like, there is nothing better you can do for your fans than give them nine straight months of winning soccer. I never got to experience that. Um, and I, Hugely, my, my wife is <laughs> chuckling to herself over there because <laughs> a lot of therapy. Um, <laughs> I, I am because of that, like to like the supporter shield is to me the best one. Beyond that, I mean, I I am an outlier. I think in that regard, I think most people would rather see their team win MLS Cup number one, probably Shield number two. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know, given what we saw from the Leagues Cup, that thing, it had some magic to it. Leagues Cup, Open Cup, I, I think I would be happy with, with either of them. Um, and we'll see what that grows into in the next couple of years. But something pretty, something pretty remarkable would have to happen for me to change my point of view that the Shield is A, the best trophy to win, and B, the best indication of who the actual best team in the league is in any given year yeah oh that was the right answer so well done. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> and now i will say the truly uh, the truly excellent teams in mls history go out and win both sure no or pressure just the shield is fine too that's right <laughs> if you want to be canonized as one of the all-time greats you got to do the double Ah. <sighs> That's all right. Fair enough. I will say the Open Cup was wrongfully stolen from us by a certain Argentine, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, he no, played I wanna... one game. He played <laughs> one game in the Open Cup. It just happened to screw us. I'm so and, mad. <laughs> and for my money, the greatest match of two MLS teams of all time in terms of talent, entertainment, like that is up there. I'm no wow. MLS historian like one Matt Doyle here, but I would put that up against any match. No, that's actually it's actually a really good shout that I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but in like the talent on the field, the level of play we saw, um, and then that ending, which was way less entertaining for you guys than it was for, for everyone else. Yeah. I think especially a few years from now when you have Barial's career in Europe, Vasquez's career in Europe, I think I think that will be looked at differently with those resumes in retrospect. Um, well, no, Matt, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Um, wanted to say thank you. I was going to ask you about UConn to the Big 12. You know, Cincinnati's a Big 12 city now, but I'll let you <laughs> off easy here. Yeah. Um, the, big the Big East is your home. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. Stay home. That is that is what I'm hoping for, though I understand <laughs> money talks and there is a massive difference in the rights fees that, that – Big 12 teams compared to Big East teams. But I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. yeah. I think it's cute you guys talking about your little conferences. <laughs> oh, boy. 
That's the Ohio State. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that sounds like, like Big Ten arrogance to me. Don't let him fool you. He went to grad school in Georgetown. It's just a parade of sadness <laughs> lately for him. <laughs> uh, no, thank you again so much, Matt, for, uh, for coming on. Hopefully you can uh, resume the U.S. men's national team now. Yeah, it's 2-0 now. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to do it again sometime. We are back. And again, huge thanks to Doyle for coming on. I mean, look, he he agreed to do this as the United States was kicking off in a friendly. And yes, it's a friendly. It's also his job to like be on top of these things. And so I was very happy that he still agreed, even though I had realized way late that we had actually double booked ourselves with this one. Um, so yeah, no, that was good. I, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. So I enjoyed every part of that conversation, except for the fact where he advocated for one of those scumbags from St. Louis winning the final an award. <laughs> Sorry. What else does Pat have to do? He was he, my man unironically said uh, set the points record. Oh, just be the best team in the history of MLS. That'll win you an award. The the Next Carnell year. would have Carnell would have like the worst season to win coach of the year in like a decade or more. Mm. If you go back to I don't know, I think I went back to 2015 maybe. And yeah. just stopped. Um, <laughs> every every coach of the year winner uh, either won the supporter shield, tied on points, but lost the supporter shield in the tiebreaker, or was Tata Martino who finished two behind the two two points behind uh, the supporter shield, and I and all this didn't factor into it. Won MLS Cup that year. Yeah. Um, Did they win Open Cup that year? No, yeah, the they won Open Cup okay. with uh, DeBoer, I think. <gasps> Did they? That's and Pity Pity Martinez, which I always thought DeBoer got a little bit unfairly maligned. He did because he actually didn't have bad results pre-COVID. Yeah, and then the COVID year, I think and the relationship with Pity just disintegrated. But mm-hmm. like, it's not like he walked into Almiron and prime Joseph Martinez. Right. And Pity was pretty good that year. Pretty good that year, but hasn't been that great since. Right. Like, he did not talking, live up to the billing. You're talking about FC Cincinnati legend, Pity Martinez. Pity Martinez, Martinez yeah. How yeah, dare I? <laughs> um, anyway, I'll continue to think uh, that on a results level, uh, Martino is a uh, uh, very overrated coach. Uh, if you go through like Barcelona managers for like 20 years, he's like the only one to coach Barcelona and not win like the league or like the Copa del Rey or like something major. Right. I do appreciate from, from Doyle's perspective, though, the balls to come on an FC Cincinnati podcast and say Pat Noonan is not coach of the year. Yeah, no, it, I liked it. It's yeah, wrong. It's up, it's up there with Will McAvoy going on, you know, that show and just tearing down America in 60 seconds in front of a bunch of college kids. But I would ask... You know, I, I would ask people, what do you think is harder? You know, walking into uh, an expansion team with a really well put together roster and that you get a, a, a Borussia Dortmund uh, <laughs> goalkeeper or walking into FC Cincinnati at the end of 2021. Right. You know, and last year, Pat Noonan was shut out of being a finalist for coach of the year. Uh, in favor of Curtin in Chirundolo, 
two people who did basically what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wilfred Nazi, who had a you know an impressive year with Montreal for sure. Like like of those three, I think Nazi deserved it. Uh, because he actually did like overperform, yeah, take in an a impressive bad team way and make them good. Yes. Whereas like Curtin did this, who won Coach of the Year, just did the same thing Philadelphia is supposed to do, and yeah. Trundolo walked into a team with like five DPs and. And Trundle is being graded on a curve based on like how bad he was as a manager in USL, which I feel like it's cheating as well. <laughs> Here's the other thing, too, though, where I will, you know, I'm not going to get too fired up about this, is that we talked last segment or before the interview um, about, you know, oh, Noonan has signed his deal. Now it's time to mail it in. He feels it as a job season is a job well done. What better thing to fire you up despite your big contract and your fancy clothes and your big money deal and your big new car. What better thing to way to fire yourself up than being snubbed for coach of the year over someone that finished double digit points behind you on the table. That'd be so good. Look, here's, here's the dream setup, right? I don't even know if this is possible. We get New York Red Bulls in the first round. We get Columbus in the second round. We face Philadelphia in the conference finals and we get St. Louis in the finals and we win them all. It's a oh. dream scenario if you win them, but I mean, I know. Yeah, that's that's, oh. that's <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't need that level of smoke in my it. life. Like, Bring you know, what would be, you know, what would be better than that <laughs> would be Columbus losing quietly in the first round, and we just don't have to play them. That would be great. Uh, I mean, if not those three, we probably have to play Orlando at some point, and that's like genuinely the one team I am nervous about in all of MLS. So, but the, man, biggest, yeah. the biggest crock of shit in sports is when people say, no, we want to, you want to play the best in order to win. It's like, no, sir. No, <laughs> I want to play every team with as many injuries and players out as possible. I want to play the lowest seed possible at all times. You know, be a great way to go through March madness is playing like the 16 seed, the 15 seed, the 14 <laughs> seed, and just constantly getting the team that was getting the upset victories until they got to you. That's fine. No one writes on the banner how you got there. NYCFC <laughs> did not apologize or ask for a replay when they played uh, Philly, when Philly was missing like half their team from COVID. Yeah, like literally half the they, team. <laughs> uh, they just took their victory and then their coach got naked after they won MLS Cup. They took their victory and they hung a very responsibly sized small banner <laughs> from Yankee Stadium. Environmentally friendly banner. You know, the only thing... Not to not to defend the banner. Allegedly, the banner is the same size as the Yankees banners for their World Series wins. But I think that's only because the Yankees have a shit ton of World Series banners that they have to fit. And I, I think they were just matching the size, but not really taking into consideration the... Uh, the difference don't, there. Don't, def- don't defend them. <laughs> that comical little banner that you have to zoom in on is one of the funniest visuals in recent MLS history. <laughs> it really is. Um, so we have Atlanta. They come to Cincinnati to play. Uh, both teams are in the playoffs. I assume Atlanta is playing for seeding here. Um, kind of. Not yeah. really, though. Yeah, like they can get a better or worse seed depending on what happens. 
but also like they're not going to get a home game. Right. Uh, they're not going to get a the, they're not going to get a home game first round. Well, well, they're not going to have home field advantage first round. Right. Um, they're not going to they're not going to have home field advantage against very many teams in, in the, the playoffs, playoffs, regardless of what they do. And I mean, their 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 benefit is like okay, you face Orlando, Philly, or Columbus. Right. But but. It, there's no clarity on who and whether Philly or Columbus finished three or four. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the only real thing that you can count on is if they don't get passed by Nashville, they won't play Orlando. Okay. So <laughs> the want to win to avoid Orlando, that's essentially the, the stakes for them. Maybe. Okay. But I mean, yeah, there's so I much mean, else. Probably, there's, yeah. there's so many moving parts right. within the schedule, within the the table on the eastern side, below one and two. That it's really hard to figure out. Like the want in this game is nobody gets hurt from yes. both sides. I would expect both teams to play heavily rotated lineups. Um, you'll give some of your guys a short run, but tell them don't go out there and overexert yourself. Stay the hell away from anyone that looks like they got red in their eyes when they come charging at the ball. Um, to me, the only intrigue in this game is on fan appreciation night. Who's pulling the sword on fan appreciation night? Let's hope it's not a. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, well, whoever good... it is, we're going to yell at them on Twitter <laughs> and then have I'm them going. on our podcast next week. <laughs> yeah, and then they can kind of almost shit talk us on the Cooligans. Right. <laughs> um, no, I chief. That's exactly where I was going with this. Rest versus rust. Do we want to see this team run out the starting eleven and say, "Hey, the playoffs start now. Let's get everybody in that no. focus." God, no, 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 <laughs> no, because it's like it's all bullshit. This team won the supporters shield, uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, three games ago. Yeah. So, I mean, they haven't been playing for anything but pride for a couple of weeks now. It will probably by the time the playoffs start, it will have been about a month since this team played a game that meant something. Yeah. Um. So, no, th- I this team has had long layoffs before they've taken breaks from competitive action before they've shown an ability to turn it up when they need to turn it up. I I don't, I don't see any reason to do anything out of the ordinary to try and get a win in this game. Give your guys some work. Uh, I, I like the Noonan idea of that. Like, you know, the 40 minutes is kind of what a hard practice would be like anyway. So, Give Lucho his 40 minutes, give Vasquez his 40 minutes, give Bapenza his 40 minutes, and then let the kids take over and let the chips fall where they may. It would be a different thing if they were still chasing the points record, but yeah. they're not. So stay healthy, get your work in, and get mentally ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And really, it's funny. Like, there are virtually there's virtually nothing at stake in this match really what fcc fans at least i will be uh doing and what they should be doing is watching uh your favorite app of choice i i go with thought mob uh because really the intrigue is who ends up in the play-in game in the eastern conference because that becomes 
the team to watch there. And as I'm looking at this, the teams in contention for the 8-9 spot, Montreal, New York Red Bulls, Chicago, Charlotte, New York City, FC. Do we have a preference for which two teams make the play-in game? Hmm. I think the team I want to avoid is I don't want to play Montreal. Mm, I just okay. feel like Montreal is weirdness. It's probably the worst trip to make in terms of travel uh, going away. Other than that, I don't have a strong preference. Maybe Charlotte. you would maybe you the, maybe the optimal outcome is Chicago Charlotte and just avoiding Red Bulls and not having to deal with them again. I think that's I think that's what you got to root for is Chicago Charlotte. I like the Chicago Charlotte NYCFC combination. Mm. You know, those those three. Yeah. Um NYCFC like I still they still make me nervous yeah. even though they've been bad this year just because one we have a history with them, right? Yep. We have a history of them mopping the floor with us in a way that not every team did. Yeah. You know, like like our NYCFC games were like especially heinous. <laughs> There's a particular uh, cruelty there, yes. <laughs> um and then two like they still have they still have I think of that group the most individually talented players. Um, And when it, when you have like a really individually talented player on the field, things happen. There's there's always a little bit of danger. You know, we saw that with Toronto. Like you, yeah, yeah, you make a mistake and you know, you end up giving up two quick goals. Right. Yeah. And you know, playoffs, obviously you don't want to make mistakes generally, but I would like the margin of error in yes. round one, at least, to be as large as possible. Yes. Here's the other reason why I want to avoid Montreal. Montreal 10, 4, and 3 at home. I Ooh. don't want to be in a situation going into that third, having to go to that third leg in order to win a series at home. And Montreal far and away seems like the team that's almost, I don't want to say a guaranteed loss on the road, but Montreal seems far and away the hardest team to beat that second leg on an away yeah. game. Uh, yeah. I, I'll throw New York City in there as well, just in terms of like away to New York City FC, unless they happen to be playing at Red Bull Arena. I don't know what their arrangement will be in the playoffs, but playing at Yankee Stadium or City Field or whatever, that would be a disaster. That'd be a well, The Yankees are out of the playoffs, so I can't imagine why they wouldn't be at Yankee Stadium for their playoff mm-hmm. games. I don't know. It's all weird. They've but- had dumber things happen <laughs> yeah the team i least want to play is red bull yeah not I, just because of what what most recently happened but just because there are i just hate watching those games yeah and we'd be guaranteed two of those games potentially three of those games mm-hmm. and they're the worst games every right. year yeah, I think Chicago is probably I don't want to I hate calling your opponent because that just feels like you're tempting fate, but I feel like Chicago is the team I would most want to draw. I feel like Chicago, the, you can also go it's a much easier away day like in terms of And the other opponent. thing too about Chicago as well is that there was that game earlier in the year at Soldier Field where the team looked bad, so you wouldn't take a lot for the coaching staff to say, "Okay, Here's what can happen if you don't take this team seriously, but they're also not threatening 
in a way yeah. of like like New York can just shut a game down. Like New York, you get down a goal to New York and they can shut a game down on you that I don't think that like Chicago can do. I don't think that they've got that club in the bag. That's what makes Orlando so dangerous in the playoffs, too, is that Orlando can just shut a game down on a one goal lead. Yeah, I think Orlando's coach is is out of contract this year, by the way. Oscar Perea. Yeah. So that's going to be another one where if he if he is out of contract. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that's in my head. I apologize if it's wrong. But he's another guy who you would definitely expect if there's going to be a bidding war over a coach. Uh, he's a name that that would start one. You know, that's particularly dangerous just to completely revisit this idea. When you have an expansion team out there like San Diego, mm. where like you throw the bag at Oscar Prang, you tell him that he can you know, be the coach GM. I think he has the the reputation to earn that spot he is at a contract into the year there you go unless yeah. they announce something wednesday <laughs> if i'm right right by the time this releases now if i'm san diego that's that's who i'm targeting right now um yeah oh uh other thing to watch for um <laughs> incredibly unlikely but not out of the realm of possibilities. If Denny Bowanga doesn't score a goal and Lucho Acosta were to put up four goals, folks. That's your golden boot winner right there. That would lock up the MVP race. Anybody who would be on the fence, you'd have nothing to contribute to after that. People have talked about Buwanga being able to play his way into the MVP. He's gotten like five goals in the last two games. Yeah. These teams aren't playing for anything. No. Like, I guess LAFC is still playing for a seed, but certainly FC Cincinnati like hasn't been playing for anything. Yeah. Is there any doubt in your mind that that had they been playing for something, Lucha would also have put up a lot of numbers? Right. In right. the last few games. Like, I don't know. Like he's been sitting a lot. Yeah, absolutely. The his it it took it took Buwanga longer to do his job this year. <laughs> right? <laughs> play to the whistle though. There's 34 games. You gotta play all of them. Yeah, it works smarter, not harder. <laughs> Uh, I again, I don't know if the tiebreaker is penalties, but if it is, tying Boanga will not work. Uh, Acosta has seven penalties to his three. Um, yeah, so with that being said, I decided to pull this little chestnut back up. Uh, the original predictions that the chief, myself, and Jonah did uh, in December of 2022. We had originally predicted FCC would get 59 points and finish second in the Eastern whew, second in the Eastern Conference. That was our projected finish, you know, uh, who knows how it would have shaken out in this alternate world. Uh, but we did say that this game would end in a 2-2 draw, which put us at 59. I will say if this game does end at a 2-2 draw for FC Cincinnati, we would finish exactly 10 points ahead of what I thought were pretty lofty and optimistic uh, predictions at the beginning and, and of this let's, season. Let's be real here, too. If we finish with a 59-point finish, well, that folks would have locked up Coach of the Year awards for Pat Noonan because that's what St. Louis <laughs> is going to finish at, too, this year. They're on 56 <laughs> points with one game remaining to play. Damn. We, we successfully called. We successfully called the record necessary to win Pat Noonan Coach of the Year. You know what we just did? We 
Gandhi'd ourselves where we got too many points and we broke the accounting ah, and now yeah. we're back over. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Uh, so back in December, we said this game would end in a 2-2 draw. Grayson, what say you for this one? Um, I don't think we see Santiago Arias this game. Yeah, probably um, not. He's picked up a seemingly like he picked up a knock. Sounds like a minor is, one though. It does sound minor based on his post game comments, which I shared on Twitter. If folks want to see those, um, I'm not going to worry about it until until next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like the kind of thing where yeah, like take a few days off. We're not going to rush you back for Saturday. Yeah, and let's just get healthy for the playoffs. So. I'm not going to worry about it until until like at least mid next week. So um, but, you know, I think I agree. Aside from that, we may see some rotation as well. Um, so. Two one Atlanta. Ooh, That'd be disappointing on fan appreciation yeah, I night. I won't feel very appreciated if that happens. <laughs> Chief, what say you? Standing by my take, 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, is good. I will go 4-2 to two, FCC, all goals by Lucho Acosta. And For the that, golden boot. <laughs> that is your golden boot winner. <laughs> Boanga's rotated and rested because they think they have it locked up, and Acosta snatches it. And on the fourth goal, somebody descends from the Bailey with an envelope that is presenting him with his citizenship. That is paperwork. <laughs> it's a note saying Roman Berkey won MVP. We're so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. It's the darkest timeline. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I can inc- see that. There's some guy reading out and he's like, it's like the La La Land moonlight thing. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, and the winner is. Roman Berkey and Roman Berkey comes out. It says Lucio Acosta. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, total 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 scumbag move. I just couldn't get behind that. Roman Berkey is a scumbag. That's that's the parting words here for this postcast. No, they're Uh, not. That's not the parting words for this postcast. What are they, Chief? They're fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, 
and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.